Welcome to Single Mom Stories with Kelly Travis, a show that brings you stories and conversations about life as a single mom, the mess and the beauty and everything in between. Well, hello. Welcome to Single Mom Stories. I am very excited, a little bit giddy, a little bit nervous about just the beginnings of this podcast adventure. I'm really, really thrilled. And uh, before I get like way too in the weeds on that, (laughs) I want to let you know that this is going to be the first of many conversations with other single moms. And I will tell you that already this has been such an amazing experience for me to connect with other women who are experiencing very similar adventures. Their life looks similar. Their challenges look similar. And I hope that in doing this, you can see yourself, you feel like you're not alone, and you feel connected just like I do. So let me tell you about today's guest and our conversation. I spoke with Jenny Besworth. She goes by Jenny B. And I really wish she lived like right next door because she would, she doesn't know it, but she would be my BFF. I enjoyed every part of this conversation. We connected on so many levels and shared experiences. And I just can't wait for you to meet her. She uh, professionally is a writer, a producer, and a podcast host. Her podcast is called This Is It Actually. So you'll have to check that out. You can find her on Instagram as well. And I'll be sure to put her links in the show notes. She's a single mom trying to figure out the best way to raise good humans, like all of us. Uh, She believes in kindness first, and she has absolutely no idea how to fold a fitted sheet. Jenny, you are not alone, my friend. (laughs) I also struggle with that. She grew up in a small town. She is from Canada. And little factoid, she was the voice of Canadian Cribs. I've never seen it. But if you're from Canada, maybe you have and uh, you'll recognize her voice. (laughs) So I'm going to stop talking. We're going to hear from Jenny. And I hope that you have your favorite coffee, cocktail, a glass of water. You can sit back or maybe you're on a walk while you're listening. Whatever it is, I hope that you feel like you are a part of this conversation. All right, let's get started. Jenny, I am so excited to have you here with me today. Thanks for coming on the show. It's so nice to meet you. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Yes. Well, okay. I just want to start with what we were talking about first, because I feel like it's a really great entry into the conversation. Behind Jenny is a wall of post-it notes and like cards and even index cards, right? That's what I'm seeing Uh, with writing all over them. Jenny, please. Tell us a little bit about that. So it started as the biggest eyesore of my life. It's a wall of mirrors. It's very 80s. I think that's an 80s thing, or maybe it's even earlier. I don't know. But it was something I moved into the house. I rent my home. So, you know, you don't make big changes necessarily when you're renting. 
but it bugged me and I got little kids fingerprints on it. And one of the stories I always tell is that what sometimes when I would be like in the middle of disciplining one of my kids when they were little, I'd catch them like looking at themselves in the mirror and like posing and like doing faces while I'm trying to be mad at them. Um, so I was like, no, this mirror has to go. So we tried taking it down and it just is not as easy as it would seem. So one day I just was in the living room in the kitchen and One of the girls had a little post-it note. I think maybe I had put it in their lunch. I put love notes in their lunch, Um, but it was a sticky note. And she was holding on to it. And, you know, kids, there's no answer or rhyme or reason to things that they do. And she just took it and smacked it on the wall. And so now I have this big giant mirror with all of these fingerprints on it and a post-it smack in the middle of it. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, well, that's a thing. So now we are, I would say, gosh, is it three quarters full? Maybe. Yes. Um, yeah. And so there are notes from us to each other. There are notes from people that come and visit us. Sometimes friends, a girlfriend just sent me a card last week and she included a little post-it that I was to put on the wall. I've had people from the internet, um, right? And then we've put them up. We've sent notes. My mom's passed away, but we put notes on there for her. So it's just this beautiful you know, wall of love now um, made out of something that I really didn't care for. <laughs> right. What did the original one say? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. Oh boy, oh. you're really putting me on the spot here. I don't even know where it is. And sometimes I look for ones that I'm certain I know where they are. And I don't know, it was somewhere in the middle here, but I don't see my handwriting. <laughs> I'll have to look and I'll get back to you. I yeah. don't know which one it was. That'll be a follow-up to that. Okay. I'll let you know. But it's still there, obviously. Yeah, it is. It is somewhere in the middle. And my neighbor, very hilariously, um, two Christmases ago, well, pre-pandemic, we had gone to Mexico for Christmas and my neighbor was taking care of our cat. So she was over here every day. And sometime in March, I just was looking up at the wall and I saw a note that said, I wonder how long it will take them to notice. And so I said, oh my gosh, you guys come over here. And then the girls wrote in the amount of days because she left a little blank spot for us. So, you know, you can put things up there and we might not see them right away, but eventually we do take it in and, and look at it and we'll find it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. It's one of those things that I think, and we can talk about this, but goes to, especially as a single parent, like starting traditions and just like, little things with our kids that feel special, right? Yes. yes. And that is, you've just hit the nail on the head for me on so many levels, because I think I can, from a, my family wasn't like overly traditional necessarily. Like we certainly had our traditions. We were a big family, um, certain things that we did, but I see families on Instagram and they have like serious traditions that they've upheld. Yes. And it's so funny because when I got divorced, all of a sudden that became a thing for me where I didn't even really have it, you know, that much growing up, but all of a sudden I was panicked that I wasn't making traditions for these guys. And so you're right. Little things like the love note wall, you know, we always say, see you in a minute, um, instead of goodbye, no matter how long it's going to be. So that's the little thing that we do just little things that maybe aren't necessarily like big monumental traditions, but they're the things that you do within your little group. And those are hopefully the things that they remember. Yeah. They are. I love those special little things. I have little like hand gestures with my boys and one of them has like a secret handshake with me, just like little things like that, that I think are really special and help us feel like we're doing something. Yes. (laughs) 
It's so silly because we're literally doing all the things. All of it. For yeah. some reason, that becomes, yeah, I don't know. It becomes at the forefront. It really made me kind of panicked actually for a while because you know what? I think, well, maybe being divorced doesn't feel traditional. I guess that's probably it. And so all these families are setting this big dining room table and putting out the silverware, whatever. And we've got our TV trays in front of the TV and we're watching Gilmore Girls. Or, you know, so you start to feel this weird not even guilt maybe, but you're just thinking if you're doing everything that you could be, but you're really actually in fact doing everything you could be and beyond. (laughs) And even that is like a special thing, right? The TV train with the Gilmore girls having dinner. Like that's That's right. I don't know why we tend to shove it aside or think that it's not as important because you're absolutely right. We started watching TV with dinner at the beginning of the pandemic and we kind of haven't stopped and we talk during the show. It's not like we're not speaking, we're spending time together. And so, yeah, I, I really, I let it go a couple of months ago where I thought, Meg, you don't have to be, you don't have to feel bad about this. <laughs> no, nope. nope. I love it. Okay. Let's do it from the beginning. How long have you been single momming it? So in 2010, September, 2010, we got separated And we were divorced, I think, maybe within the next, I would say, 18 months or two years, probably. Okay. How old were the girls then? So my youngest was 11 months, very little. And my oldest was four. Okay. So that was a lot. (laughs) It was intense, Kelly. Um, Yeah, it was crazy. I, I think back on it sometimes and I don't know well, how do you do anything? I guess in life, I don't know how I did it. I, you just did, you put one foot in front of the other. I have very specific stories that are markers for that time of my life. Um, but it's a blur for sure. Like there's moments that I just would not ever remember. And then also I can get a little bit fat about the fact that I almost don't really remember my littlest sort of her first few years. I don't, I don't really remember her I know what she was. I know that she was like super easygoing and I know that she was a really sweet baby and she didn't sleep. Um, There's certain things I know about her, but I don't really remember her in the way that I wish I did because I think there was so much other stuff going on. Well, yeah. And you're stretching your time with both of them. That's the thing that is, I feel like one of the hardest about being a single parent is that they never really get our one-on-one attention because it's one two, two on one. And I, that I feel the same way. I, I feel like I missed a lot or I was pushing my youngest to grow up just because of, you know, we were doing things that his older brother could do. Right. Yeah. Okay. So 11 months, you had a baby. Yeah. Um, and a toddler basically. That's right. Yes. And you're in Canada, right? Yes. I'm in Toronto. Yeah. Is there a rule like where I'm from? You have to get separated first before you get divorced. Is that how that works works there? Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. And I don't think that, you know, I hadn't even really thought about divorce. I, we just obviously knew that it wasn't working, but then he ended up actually meeting somebody else um, as sometimes happens. And he wanted to get divorced right away, obviously, because he was looking to marry her. So it's so funny when you think about like the steps and the way that things are supposed to go or how they go or what have you didn't even occur to me that you had to do one thing or another. And I didn't even think about divorce. I was really just trying to survive, but yeah. So I think you have to be separated for a year before you can actually file for divorce. 
Yeah. I'm in Las Vegas. So it's like the easiest thing to do here. <laughs> You're divorced in like two weeks. It's amazing. <laughs> it's really sad actually. That right. Yeah. Right. In some cases, probably for the best in my situation definitely was, but I understand why they do it that way so that you have that time. So you kind of just jumped right in single momming it with a baby and a toddler. What did that look like for you? How did you get through it? You say you remember some things, but not many. Yeah. I mean, one significant thing I did was I quit Facebook almost immediately. It was so interesting to, to have this sort of life here that was so felt so separate from whatever one, excuse me, what everyone else was doing. And I was still on mat leave. I was taking an extended mat leave, but thank goodness. Um, but I wasn't having a, the job that I was going to start wasn't starting for another couple of months. So such a benefit in a way that I was able to just sort of be here and try and process, but also the most awful and depressing months probably of my life. My mom was still alive at that point. So she was super helpful. And, and my sister is really, really close by and I have so many amazing friends, but it was definitely a blur. And I remember... Christmas Eve specifically, just being the lowest point, I think, one of the lowest points of my life, aside from my parents dying. But I remember being in the dining room and the girls were asleep and I was sort of organizing everything and putting everything together just by myself. And honestly, had he been here, I don't know, I probably would have done it myself anyway. This is always the funny thing about the you know, exactly. situations where you sort of like long for a thing that might not have been anyway. But it was tough. That was, that was really tough. And then the other thing was that my little one, I just, I didn't sleep train her. I know lots of people have different opinions, but I did sleep train my first daughter and it was beautiful. It worked like a charm and I had a sleeping kid. And then all of a sudden I'm going through all of this stuff and I don't have time. I'm, I'm getting food in their faces and I'm getting them to places and I think I'm doing amazing. Yes. Sleep training was definitely not on my list of things to do, but that felt super to the wayside. And then she just got too old. And so she was waking up and probably from my own energy, I would say as well, she was waking up two, three, four, sometimes five times a night. I was getting into bed at nine just to try to get a couple hours before the first wake. <laughs> like it was torture. And I actually am just told this story. Um, one of my, I do a podcast and one of my episodes is actually on parenting. And I tell the story because she was in there and it was, she was crying. And I just thought, I can't, I can't go in there. I need to get in my car and I'm going to have to drive really far away and never go back to the house. Like I just thought there's, I can't cope. And I left her crying for a little bit longer than I ever would have. And I got out my Blackberry and I messaged like five of my girlfriends and literally like SOS somebody has to help me. And I was terrible for asking for help, which I know a lot of parents are. And I just said, I, I can't, I won't survive another day if I don't get this kid to sleep. Um, I need some sleep. So, you know, I had a few friends, they rallied, they helped me. I did end up, I think it was just a couple months later, one night she magically just slept through the night on her own. Oh, God. And gift. Oh, my God. And the most funny part of that is I'm sure you've been through this you wake up because you're going, why aren't they crying? So then exactly. something's wrong, but you yes. don't want to go in. <laughs> right. It's that whole panic. And then, but maybe they're okay. Yeah, exactly. And of course, when you're by yourself and you don't have anyone to talk to about that in the middle of the night, it's just, that is really, it's hard. It's super hard. And that has continued all throughout. I mean, they, 
they're teenagers now. <laughs> and I still have those moments where even if I hear a noise in the house and I think, oh, I'd love to ask somebody else if they could go check out what that noise is. Right. So it's those kinds of things, you know, that you just take it all on and you, you just do it. Um, I think you just do it. It's almost no thinking about it, right? You just sort of, you jump in. Yeah. I often have people ask, like, I don't know how you do it. They have like kids, but with a partner. And I just say, if you didn't have any other choice, you would figure it out too. Like, what do you do? Right. We're just trying to do the best we can for our kids. And when you're alone at that early age, when they're that young, it's even, I, I feel like kind of what you, to reference what you said earlier, I kept telling myself, okay, I just need to get through this because mine were little too. I, mine was one, a little over one and then three. And I kept telling myself, okay, I just need to get through like this phase and then it's going to get easier. But now I'm in the like <laughs> phase where they're actually having all these other issues at school and stuff like that. And I'm thinking, but this is easier. And how did I do that though? That's right. It's amazing what you can look back on. I always tell people, all phases end. So when you're in a good one, do not get cocky. Don't get cocky because it's going to end. But when you're in a bad one, rest assured, it will also end. A new phase will rear its ugly head, whatever that looks like. And yeah, nobody, I wasn't warned a lot about baby. I was learned about, warned about toddlers because people always talk about, you know, toddlers, terrible twos or whatever they say. So I sort of knew that would be a bit hardish, roughish. And then teenagers just get a bad rap in general, which I don't love, I have big opinions on that, but also no one really warned me about this either. <laughs> like teenagers hard and it's not necessarily your own teenagers, other people's teenagers, like, right? So that's a whole other phase. So you're right. I know I was constantly trying to get to the next thing. And my ex-husband's nanny, um, she's passed away. I loved her, his grandma. She always used to say, Jenny, don't waste your time away. Don't waste your time away. I go, but man, I just, this one, I got to get rid of this one time. She's like, no, no, no. You, before you know it, they'll be. And of course she was right. And now I can't remember so much of it. (laughs) I know. So when you got divorced, were you sharing custody? Was he taking them sometimes? What did that look like for you? He had moved out of town just slightly, like about an hour and a bit out of town because um, he was had moved in with somebody, uh, a friend. So they were going to him sort of every other weekend. It wasn't really, it wasn't written in stone. We're just trying to figure it out. So that was about, gosh, that was maybe about a year and a bit that lasted. So not too, too long. And then he went away for work and he actually did end up meeting somebody else, as I said. And so... They lived here for a very, very short time and then they left and they left the province. So they, yeah, don't live here at all. So I would say by the time uh, my littlest was maybe three, it was just me uh, doing it all. So he's, yeah, in a completely different place. Saw them a couple of times a year um, in the beginning and now, of course, COVID and all the things. And it's just been really difficult. So there's not, not a huge relationship there. So, yeah, the three of us are pretty tight just because by virtue of our situation, I would say. Exactly. Exactly. I think every single parent can relate to that. And you referenced asking for help, which I think is something that, well, women in general struggle with, but I do believe that as a single mom, it's even harder. I can speak personally where I feel like, well, this is the situation I'm in. I don't feel like anybody else is responsible for my stuff, but you 
had to like, you were in a breaking point at a breaking point and you were like, well, crap, I have to send out, send an SOS. What happened after that? Did you start to become better at asking for help? I mean, you were going back to work. Yeah, I would say maybe slightly and then I would revert. You know, there, I would say that I've had moments of, you know, really stopping down and going, okay, lady, you're going to have to actually ask. It is very, very hard. I still find it very hard to this day for whatever reason. Um, even like now we have a dog and I was thinking about somebody asked me to do something and I was like, well, I have to ask someone to take care of the dog. And that felt hard. I had to ask my neighbor to walk her. Like it's, and she was like, I love your dog. Like nobody cares. Do you want to help people? Yes, of course. I help people all the time. Why would people not want to help? So I would say slightly better than probably worse again. And, and I had a relationship, was in a relationship just prior to the pandemic. And then for about the first year of the pandemic and, and we split last year, but stayed very um, close. He's a wonderful, wonderful human. I'm very lucky that I got to know him. First person I ever introduced my kids to um, in that way, which is really, it was very interesting. It's a whole other story. But one night we were out, we'd gone out. They didn't really know about him. They just knew that I was going out and they were littler, of course. And I had it all arranged and it just wasn't working out. My niece was supposed to be coming to the house and she was running late from where she was. And so I was getting all of these messages and my oldest was texting me and Haley, you know, she's still not here yet. And, and I was down and I was just about to start my first drink and I just all sort of came onto me. And I was like, I got to go. Like I, I was, I was, I didn't even know if I was trying to actually work it out. I just was taking in all the information and processing like, and he's ready to have a drink. He's working yeah. right out and he doesn't have kids and I'm swirling. And I finally just went, yeah, I, I can't stay. Like I have to go. And he was super understanding. And he said, okay, it's not a problem. Um, knowing he couldn't come with me, of course, because they didn't know. And he just leaned over and put his hand on my knee. And he said, you know, you can ask for help, right? And I instantly burst yes, into yes. <laughs> on our third date. So cool. Um, oh, I lost it. So, you know, that was only, you know, a few years ago. So clearly even still hearing that sends me into a place and it might be something I'd look back as an old lady and go, you should have asked, but you just should have asked more. It's so crazy. But I would, I would hope that as I get older, I am trying to get better at that. Yeah, I think it's definitely a process and um, sometimes we're good at it, sometimes not so good. That's right, exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the dating thing because that is a very challenging thing when you are a single parent. It sure is. It's really hard. I didn't even dip a toe for a few years because wow, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Baby at home. The first person I dated uh, was one wonderful, like a, just a lovely guy, also no kid. And it only lasted about four, four and a half months or so. And our lifestyles are just so different. And I remember he had gone away. He was gone on this trip, sort of right at the end, actually. And um, it was quite the adventure. And we were Skyping. And it was so new. Like, we weren't even FaceTime. Yeah, we wouldn't even have been FaceTiming then. And so we got onto Skype and my mom was here. And my instructions to my mom were like, keep them downstairs, please keep them downstairs. Like, I just need to go and have this stupid Skype date. And he was so far across the world. Like it was blaney and it was like <laughs> breaking up. And I guess Izzy, my littlest had sort of toddled upstairs and she swung the door open. And I was completely 
shocked and I literally didn't know how to end. I, so I was being like, I guess what I thought was maybe cute, sexy dater person on this side. Now, all of a sudden I have to be a mom and she comes in and she's kind of like whining a bit. It's the worst. It's like, it's the last thing a dude wants to hear. Right. <laughs> so I'm trying to stay cool and like pushing my child away. Um, finally just went, I got to get off the call. So I got off the call and I came downstairs and I was a little bit upset with my mom. I was like, why did you let her come upstairs? And I sort of had this, you know, little rant and she just looked at me and she said, Jenny, you're a mom. And I was like, oh shit. Right. Right. <laughs> This is always going to be happening. Yeah. So he's got it. You're a mom, man. You go, he has to know that like he's either in or he's out. And so that was the first real reality check I had in terms of dating. I never used to say in the very, very beginning, like that I had kids, which is such a stupid thing. I don't know why, but I just, I didn't know what I was doing. So I've had a couple of relationships. This last one was the last of the longest, but it's very, very hard. It's hard to incorporate someone into your world especially someone with no kids. Uh, I think he did the best that he could. So I don't know. I don't know what my future is. I don't know if I'm waiting until, you know, they're gone from the house or it's just a different type of person. I think that, you know, I've heard so many stories and I have people in my life where they've come in like whole hog taken on each other's kids or a single person with people that have kids. Like it has to obviously be the right person. And I'm not desperate in any way, but it would be lovely to have a companion to sort of balance the mom life. But yeah, it is, it's tough. (laughs) It is. It's so hard. And then on top of it, you know, you have to get a babysitter whenever you want to go out and that's a whole extra thing. And I used to say it was 75 bucks to walk out my door. Like I couldn't, I wasn't even in my car yet. It probably was costing me anywhere from 50 to a hundred dollars. Exactly. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, well, but is it even worth it? Like that's where I got to. I my cozy pants. Like exactly. Cause then you think if you get there and it's not good, well then, and you don't want to make it about the money, but certainly I would have those thoughts. I was like, well, that was a really crummy date and I just blew 150 bucks. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Same. Yeah. And I think too, just incorporating to your point, another person into your world and the schedule and everything else can feel. So it does take a certain person to be able to step into that space and be understanding of all the stuff that is going on. Absolutely. And so, and there are special people out there. It's not to say that they're not. And I've really, what I've, I've grown a lot in terms of sort of my expectations of other people, but also my boundaries. You know, I, I never really had any or knew how to set them. I was really trying to please everybody. That is impossible. You cannot do that. And my kids come first, obviously. And so I think that I've learned along the way that the right person for that right time or for long-term, they're just going to be there when the time is right. And so when I first got divorced, of course, I was obviously however many years younger. And I remember my girlfriend, I was sort of saying, Oh, like, how will I ever, it was just one of those bad nights, you know, the kids were being annoying and and loud. And I remember looking at my friend across the table and going, who would ever want to come into this? Like it's insanity. She said the right person at the right time, you know, maybe you'll like 50 or 60 when it happened. I was like, are you saying that to me right now? Like, right. maybe that's exactly when it happens. And so I've learned to be patient with the process and 
you know, how do you meet someone in a pandemic? It's impossible. So I've really just settled into the life that we have, the three of us. And if someone comes along, it's a cherry on top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are some of like, if you could think right offhand, a couple of your like funny moments, fondest memories being in this place? Gosh, well, there are a lot. I, I yeah. write down, this is a tip for people if they have kids that say funny things and everyone does. I've written down everything they've said since the time they could speak. If it was like a clippable moment, yes, it was a sound bite, as we say in the television. Well, you are a writer, so that makes sense. But I'm a writer. So I do, I write them all down. And so I'll look back on them sometimes. And there has definitely been like just some funny moments and some funny things that have come out of their mouths that I can't even believe. Some funny things that have happened to us. Well, I remember (laughs) a conversation that we were having, they had all crawled into my, all of them, the two of them had crawled into my bed and, you know, they're all legs and arms and they were all over the place. And I remember jokingly, they were little-ish. I remember jokingly saying like, what if mommy ever gets a boyfriend? Like, where is he going? Where's he going to fit? Like he, and they just kind of looked at me like I was insane. Well, I'll think his own bed, <laughs> it's like, but this is my bed. And then they sort of went off on this tangent about, would you ever like somebody that we didn't like? Well, do I have anyone in my life that you don't like? Well, no. So then, but that's not going to change. And do you think he could have a dog? Because we didn't have a dog at the time. I said, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll put it in the bio. I'll see what I right. can do. Right. And then, oh, it would be really funny if he had a hamster. And I jokingly said, if I'm dating a guy that has a grown man that has a hamster, I think we have bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. Where's he going to sleep? <laughs> and then you can see it click and they start to laugh. And so I think one of my most special things is like, as they've gotten older and you can start to have those kinds of conversations with them and they get it, that to me has been very, very fun about them being at an older age because just chatting and like shooting the shit together, you know, and still being their parent. Like I'm not looking to be, you know, their buddy necessarily, but they're my friends and, and to an extent. And that's been really a joy to be around because um, it's just fun that they can, that they get it now, you know, sarcasm. Right. And as girls, especially they can put themselves in that position. Right. I, exactly. I love that. What about challenges? Like, can you think of one or two, like, really tough times that you went through. Obviously the sleep training was a big one at the beginning. Yeah. Sleep was bad. I would say the two things that come to mind right when you asked me is when my mom died, my mom was sort of my <laughs> secondhand gal. She didn't live in town. She lived in the in the town where I grew up, which is about two hours away from here. But we were there a lot. We would go there in the summers. She would take the girls for a few weeks in the, in the summer. We'd go on weekends. Um, we were very tight. She spent Christmas here. So if I had to go away for work or what have you, she was my person. And so, and the girls were really close with her. They were little, but they were really tight with her. And so I remember you go through the motions as we're speaking of with all of these big, hard things in life. And so I remember coming home, I had gone up, I had taken the girls up, mom had asked to see them. I'd taken them up. I was back and forth. I'd say like four or five times within a four day span. And when I got the call on the Tuesday morning, they were already gone to school. And so I just had to go. So I called my girlfriend and I just said, I got to go. And she was like, yep, no problem. So 
there was another time I asked for help. And so yeah. she, yeah, exactly. Um, really have to be in the depths to be asking for help, apparently. Um, so she came over, got them from school, didn't really say much, just said like, you know, mommy had to go up and see Oma again. And they're kids, so they just move on with their lives. And I had to come home that Wednesday and tell them. And it was just... I don't know. I've never had probably a harder moment in my life. Um, their reaction was huge. I didn't even know, like, you know, little kids, I didn't know if they would get the sort of gravity of what I was saying to them, but they were super close with her anyway. So that was really, really hard. And then coming home from the funeral and now sitting in this house and going, Oh my God, now what? I would literally get them to school and I would come straight back home and I would just lay on the couch that same girlfriend that helped me um, showed up the next day. You know, everyone's texting, what do you need? What do you need? And she showed up that afternoon and she walked in the house and said, I'm here and I've got a six pack. And it was a six pack of onshore, you know, the, the drink that old people drink when they, like it's a meal replacement. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> so she had shown up with that because she knew I wasn't eating. And I really, there was moments there where I thought, I don't know how I'm going to, get off this couch. And it was everything I could do to get them home, get them fed and get them into bed. So that was very, very hard. And I'm here to tell the tale. So I did get off the couch, obviously, as we do. And then I would say having teenage girls and the meanness that comes from other people, the bullying that comes from just by virtue of being a girl, nobody prepared me for that. And it's, I've had endless sleepless nights when I thought I was done with sleepless nights. And not that I thought that it would be over if they went to a party or something, of course, but that has been really, really rough. I think just worrying about our kids in general alone, it's it's not like what we signed up for originally. Right. And I find myself in that same situation. And I know probably everyone listening does where like your child is struggling and you were, you're worried and you can't have a conversation with somebody who cares about them as much as you do. That's right. It's just this, yeah, sleepless nights are big. Yeah, it's huge. And I, and I do think, I certainly think about my own mom, of course, a lot, because when you're in those situations, you're like, oh my God, like the things that I, I wasn't a bad kid by any means, but I'm sure that that woman had many sleepless nights. She had five kids. So imagine all the waiting up that happened in her poor life. But yeah, the not being able to protect them. And it just gets worse because when they're little, you kind of can, you know, you, you are their protection. You are their person. You take them everywhere. They don't, we always laugh that they always say when they were little, it was so funny to them to just wake up in the morning and go, what are we doing today? And I would just rhyme off the whole day and they go, okay. And they get dressed and we go do it. And that is not the case anymore, obviously. And so that changes and, and you being able to protect them is, yeah, it's not, it's not the same as it was. No. And, you know, speaking of your mom and going through that hard time, I mean, that illustrates how if something happens, you know, that we're struggling with, life is still going on and we still have to show up for the kids every day. That's right. That is, this has been a huge, huge lesson. I remember leaving my mom's funeral. It was a Saturday and it was in September. It was quite a lovely day. It was very sunny. And we sort of walked out and My kids actually said some really funny things during that period of time that are just, we still laugh about, like, because they just no filter, right? So 
my one kid, child wanted to see my mom and the other one didn't. And there was some very funny exchanges that happened between that. So we left, we, at the funeral, I was part of the eulogy with my four siblings. And at the end of speaking, they gave me two thumbs up from the first row, which of course was hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, so we leave and we're all piling in the cars and we're heading up to the cemetery and my littlest asks if we're going to see Opa, my dad, who they've never met because he died when I was a teenager. And so they just assumed that we were going to head up and he was, I don't know. I can't even really imagine what they were thinking, but they knew that there was going to be this hole where my, because my mom was buried and cremated. And so I guess they thought that because they saw her in the casket that we could just maybe pop his open too and take a look like why. Right. Yeah. Let's just pull him out. So that we let my niece and I were in the same car and we were killing ourselves laughing, which of course is such a blessing. But I remember as we were pulling out um, from the church, there was two kids on the sidewalk and they were skipping rope and laughing and having a time. And I remember looking at them thinking, you don't know that my mom just died. <laughs> You're just having the same Saturday you always have. And now my life has changed forever. And I looked at my kids and thought, and I still have to be your person, but my person is gone. It was just the craziest realization to have in that moment. Obviously, I've never forgotten it. And there has been lots of those moments where it's just felt like, oh, it doesn't feel fair, you know, that you, that I'm, I don't mind doing it on my own, obviously, because you become used to it and you see what it is. I'd rather, I'd rather be doing it on my own in a loving home than obviously with someone in a non. But, you know, not having anybody, like, especially even with my mom or what have you in that way, that definitely, it's really reality. <laughs> reality sinks in for sure in those moments. It does. Yeah. And even those little moments, like, I feel like last, last week, I feel like this probably happens every day, but last week, like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I'm trying to make dinner. Like the kids are just being, they're fighting. And I think to myself, how did I get here? <laughs> Right. Yes. Right. Yes. And I'm like, I was also the cutest, funnest 20 year old. Like, just by the way, I want you to know that I had, I was really fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's definitely, it's a stream. For the longest time on paper, we were joint, but he lived in a different province. So that's not real. I was actually able to, I got, I got full custody. And it's in Canada, there's two. I don't know if this is the way it is everywhere, but there is full and then there's soul. Soul is impossible to get. I actually do have soul custody. He was very willing to sign that over to me, which I'm super grateful for. But it just didn't even make sense under as a law to be full because he's not actually here. Full custody means that they live with one person full time, but they still have access to the other parent. Whereas soul is like, he doesn't even really have parental rights in the eyes of that paper. Yes. So that's not given very easily because that's for people who are like in jail, <laughs> like they're really unavailable, but it just, I could not wrap my head around the fact that I was doing absolutely everything across the board. And this person still sort of, you know, and not in an angry way at all, but just, they didn't make sense. Why are you the second signature on school papers? <laughs> you don't know what they're doing in school. Women struggle with even fighting for more right? When they know that they really should have that and make that change, right? Which I think it's, is a shame because it's not fair. So that's awesome that you got that. 
It is. It, it is. I, I'm, it was not easy. Um, it wasn't the hardest. He was very, um, he was good, but his lawyer was of course advising him not to do this. I have a really, really good friend who I've been friends with since high school. And she's also divorced. I have two, actually two of my best friends from high school are both divorced um, now, but she split before me. Yeah. She split before me and she was the one that really kind of stayed in my ear in a lot of ways. And I did see what she went through and, and, and her husband did not make it easy at all, but she did stick to her guns as much as she could because of what you're saying. It just makes sense. It's, you're not being greedy. You're not being unreasonable. No. We tend to sort of just, and I don't like conflict. I don't like confrontation necessarily. And I just, I don't want, I've already got my plate is very, very full. So I yeah. don't know why I would want to add to it. But she was the one that really sort of kept saying to me, you have to whatever it looks like for you, whether it's a money thing or it's a custody thing or it's whatever it is, you know, you have to really stand up for yourself and, and do what's best for you. So yeah, I, I am proud that I got that. The whole purpose was that if I travel with them, I needed this letter and I didn't want to have to get the letter because I was like, oh, why am I asking permission from someone who is not in their lives? It didn't make sense to me. So that was the, that was the beginning point of it. And then it ended up going the way that it did, which is it's great. Yeah, that is great. Okay. So we've talked about a lot. I, I feel like really we touched on so much. Do you think that we're missing anything? No, you asked, asked such great questions. It was nice to, to delve into some of those stories. I, I, you know, being a single mom, you sort of, you mosey on in your day and you don't necessarily always have to think about what you've done. It's funny when you said about your friends that will say, like, I don't know how you do it. I've had many friends, of course, but they would text me if their husband was gone for, yeah. you're going to be gone for a week, but he'd only been gone for 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and so she would text me and say, um, and that's always very nice. It's a nice little reminder, but you're so you're, you're in it. So you're really just doing it and you're surviving it. And it is nice to sometimes like look back on the stories and, and, and like you said, well, I did that. I do use my mom sort of being a, a single solo mom and then my own mom dying as a marker of what I can get through. So the, obviously the pandemic has been extremely hard for so many people and we are not um, immune to that. And I've had some pretty low days and I think, yeah, you've, you've done other stuff. So, <laughs> so that's always a tip that I try to say to people, you know, just to remind yourself how far you've come. So you, and what Glennon Doyle said, it, we can do hard things. <laughs> and we can. Yeah. And I think that, you know, one of the things I've learned is in being a single mom, there's a lot of sacrifice right? And not dwelling on that sacrifice. And instead just saying, you know what, I'm choosing this because I love my kids and this is the place I'm in and I'm going to be okay with that later on. Right. And I'll, you know, when I have my time, I have my time, but I think that we can get caught up in the feeling sorry for ourselves sometimes. Oh my gosh. A hundred percent. That is yes, absolutely. Even the moment when I was mad at my mom for letting Izzy wander upstairs, like I just wanted that sexy moment to myself. And of course it was completely kibosh, but it was a lesson to me because that isn't how life necessarily is. And so being okay with the sacrifice, you're absolutely right. Because I've spent a lot of time in the early days of whining and complaining about he gets to go on and do, and I'm still here and it just didn't feel fair. But 
I think it's not fair, but it's actually not fair. No, you're right. But Seinfeld has a great bit about this comparison that we do. Now he's talking about married couples, but it does apply where you're always trying to sort of one up instead of just like accepting the situation. So it's like, but I did and you did. And, you know, you just get comfortable with the sacrifice. I think that's a really great tip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I get in that place too, where I'm like, why does he get to like live his life like a single person and do all these things? And I'm over here. But if I spend too much time in that, it does me no good. And so I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, uh, but it is something I'm trying just for my own mental health. Right. I think that's really important. And at the end of the day now with an almost 16 and a 12 and a half year old, what we have, it's hard for kids, people with little kids. And I think if you would, if I had said this to me when they were little, I'd be like, all right, like chill lady. I just don't think I need to deal right now. But I know now and looking back and who we've become, we're so tight. They tell me everything. That closeness is, it's unmatched. I don't know. It's golden. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Same, same. Thank you so much, Jenny. Please tell everybody your podcast. Okay. So my podcast is called, this is it actually, and it can be found where all the podcasts are found. And I'm on Instagram at this is it actually, and it's a storytelling podcast. So every episode is a different subject. And I tell my stories up front and then I have three to five guests weigh in with their stories via voice note. It's kind of nostalgic. It's like leaving a voicemail on somebody's answering machine. Um, So yeah, there's lots of guests on each episode, which offers a bunch of different perspectives and it's been, uh, it's been really fun to make. So um, yeah, if everyone listens to it, that'd be amazing. Yes. We will send them there. Okay. Last question. What is, does the tattoo on your arm say and what prompted it? Cause I only see part of it. I have many tattoos, so I'm quite covered, but I think this one yes. talking about, well, that's amazing that that's the one you're asking about. So it says next time I'll be braver. It's an Adele lyric and I got it right after I got divorced. Mm, I love it. Yeah. So, and people ask about it a lot, which is funny because I am quite covered, but this one seems to, to catch people's eyes. I did have someone one time on the subway tilting their head to try to read it. And he thought it said next time I'll be beaver. Now it does not say it. That's braver. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it, the lyric that stuck out at me right after I got divorced. And I thought, yeah, I can do this and I'm just going to keep going and I'll be brave. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go. I hope you loved Jenny B as much as I did. And listen, if you're curious about her wall, you can head over to YouTube. We'll put the link in the show notes. There is a YouTube channel for this podcast. So you can check out the wall because we show it and you can see exactly what we're talking about. You're going to love it as much as I did. All right. If you enjoy this podcast, please head over to Apple iTunes and rate and review it so other moms can find it and feel connected and we can start to create this community that I am so excited to do and to see what evolves from it. And if you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, let us know how you felt, if you felt connected, what resonated with you. And you can tag Single Mom Stories Podcast on Instagram and uh, we'll be sure to check it out. All right. I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.